Hello, welcome to We Don't Talk About the Weather, episode 8. Politics that to the uninitiated may just sound like screaming and crying. I'm Adam and I'm here with Hugh. Hello. And we're here to talk about the week's news or things that interested us. Um, so, Hugh, how are you doing? You alright? I'm not very well. Oh, shit. Um, you made me ill. I made you ill? Yeah, with lack of puns. It's the <laughs> second week in a row with God, no puns. damn it. Um, Right. Well, no, I just got ill. I caught something off London's generalised filth. Yeah. Um, and I don't feel good. I, I slept last night. That's the best I can say. Um, but other than that, I'm dying. I felt pretty good on Sunday morning because I got to watch wrestling and that made me happy. But other than that, dying. 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 Um, but yeah, and this week, there's, you know, blur, war. Yeah. yeah, that's the important one. We'll definitely get to that. But really, that's, yeah. It's, so, it's, uh, what did you want to talk about? Um, got? So, this week. No puns. We have no puns. Do you know how difficult it is? It's not that difficult because the son. The, Nick Ferrari used to be in charge. They used to be. He was, he was telling me on the. Telling me specifically on the radio. He used to talk. Was talking about how at the sun they used to have a pun guy who yeah. would just do. That was all he'd do. Yeah. And that seems like an easy job. Yeah, Don't me, tell me it's the hardest job in journalism. It's the hardest job in the world, harder no. than being a nurse or a soldier. <laughs> um, you've got, like, Brexit, EU, but then you're going down the path of least resistance with EU rhyming with you. Yeah. yeah. It's too difficult. Yeah, fine. No puns. Um, <laughs> first story this week, we've got that Pepsi advert, and I have written it down as that Pepsi advert. Um, given everything else that went on this week, it doesn't seem to have really scratched the surface. It's, it's really. been withdrawn. Um, but it was a it was a Pepsi advert. I actually watched the whole thing um, earlier today just to remind myself. The whole structure of the advert is a protest that's going on. There's um, it's not really Jen- a protest. It's sort of like a well, it's it's more like a kind of festival. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a really bland protest. It's all like peace signs and like be part of the conversation. It's like an advert for Twitter. <laughs> It was well like, youthy, youthy, young, young, yeah. youthy. Um, Kendall Jenner's having a photo op done, and she sees all of the protesters streaming past. The Don't place, she see a sexy, a sexy cello player decides that she wants to be part of it? Well, yeah, there's a, a, a Chinese uh, or a, a Japanese East Asian um, cello player who sees it in the background. There's a girl in a hijab who's um, doing her art. And yep. she's arranging photos on a thing. She's getting so mad because she just can't arrange the photos right. <laughs> and then she sees the protest. And Kendall Jenner sees and it the speaks protest. To her. <laughs> and she grabs a pet. She joins the protest and they come up against a line of police. Yep. And she grabs one of the Pepsis in the ice bucket that, you know, those protests have. Um, yeah. You need them if you're going to be kettled for 14 hours. Yeah. Um, you need to keep your Also, shirt. the police would open you, you, fire you if they up. saw you had a bucket full of... <laughs> Things that you could throw at them. Um, Kendall Jenner side like takes this can of Pepsi. She's dancing. She dances up to the police and gives one of them. And then the protesters cheer the police as they do in most protests. I hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I distinctly remember being at a protest and handing a guy wearing a visor so I couldn't see his face and he was covering up his identity number. <laughs> yeah. And I handed him a can of. Unfortunately, I handed him a can of Coca Cola. Oh shit! That's and a- he broke both my legs. And he was right to. <laughs> Hugh, that wasn't Coca-Cola. You handed him a can of Lilt. The worst possible thing. It was a can of Rubicon Mango. <laughs> Nothing invokes ire in the heart of the Metropolitan Police. More than Rubicon. Oh, um, but um, there, there's a lot of people getting really angry about it. Um, 
I did see someone had a really good tweet. It's like, oh, I was annoyed when Pepsi had all the deaf squads in South America, but this is just too far. <laughs> but I think it's a lot. It's like the when Trump got elected, a load of people got really, like, really upset. Yeah. And I think it's just because they're young and stupid and don't realise how much capitalism hates them and doesn't I give wa- a fuck. I, wa- I wonder how many of them have been through the kind of co-optation of those those kind of yeah. movements. Because you have, like, the 2010-11 student protests... They got kind of successfully headed off and impoverished, and they the establishment got its way. Yeah. Um, and you know the Iraq War became a kind of I mean things like Mr. Robot, you know that program on Amazon. Oh. That kind of it's a fetishization fetish, fetishization of that kind of yeah. And it's like a lot of these things when it, they it do, sidled its way into the mainstream and, and got robbed of its well, actual like a lot of the power. TV and films that have been about kind of political movements that especially if they're kind of of the left yeah that they end up either being essentially about nothing or co-opted by a despotic ideologue at the top (laughs) who really just wanted attention for himself yeah which is why the only good film about any kind of left-wing stuff like that is the educators the educators is a very good film it's the best and it ends properly as well yeah Yeah. that was when me and you watch that just rubbing our thighs with glee throughout the entire (laughs) film going yes that seems right yes that seems right too yeah i mean i think to be honest, I think people who are who have maybe have been through that once or twice can probably see it for what it is. It's like, well, this was going to happen eventually anyway. They yeah. they're desperate for that kind of teen. They're desperate for that teen relevance, and it it does not come across as as like particularly cutting edge or yeah. anything. Well, there's like that. there's no it's, there's no like thought in it beyond mm. oh, this seems to be a thing that is trending. We shall do this thing. It's because the people well, who, like advertisers aren't smart. Yeah, they incorporate the images they've already seen yeah. and think, how do we put the product in that hand? Yeah. So in this case, it was the um, a, a thing I saw tweeted a lot alongside the picture of Kendall Jenner adding a can of Pepsi to a copy. Yeah. was um, you know the uh, black woman in um, so one of the Ferguson ones. It was uh, one of the other Ferguson riots, and uh, the riot police are coming up to arrest her, and she's kind of standing there, all serene and everything, and. They only work on that level. They only work on the image level. And I mean, you know, arguing about, oh, well, you're robbing Black Lives Matter protests and, <laughs> and protests generally of its its meaning. I actually think we're almost at a point where that doesn't apply anymore because no. people know that they're going to do yeah. that. I mean, there are people in the protests who are doing that themselves. Yeah, um, I did think robbing it, was... it of a particular political point or a political program. I did think it was funny yeah. there were some people defending Kendall Jenner and completely removing any uh, removing any agency from her. So like, oh, she's just a kid. How she's supposed to know? She's like, she's twenty. She's twenty years old yeah. and was paid a lot of money to do it. Yeah. She kind of deserves to be laughed at. <laughs> um, it's like the thing I saw earlier this week with. Um, uh, the Gorilla um, premiere new show coming on to Sky Atlantic oh, about okay. the um, Black Power movement in Britain in, mm. in London in the seventies, and um, Frida Pinto's in it. I did see because they didn't cast a, they didn't cast a black woman; yeah. they cast Frida Pinto. Well, no, isn't she playing an Asian character though? Yeah, she's playing an Asian character, but um, there was like, oh, there's there there aren't really any black women in it. Really? And um, John Ridley, who's not a very good person for this kind of stuff anyway, yeah. he did. Um, the 13 years a slave but he's got also it's that stupid sky thing at the moment which is well we've got someone we need someone to write for tv let's get a film writer yeah um because doesn't matter if they have the absolute name. and you like they admit they the, had no the no idea anything about the situation mm. and how it could possibly be different to america <laughs> but um he brought it he like him defending him defending frida pinto he brought up the fact that he's in an interracial relationship <laughs> 
which has no point. But mainly, the thing that I saw that was really stupid was why why is there no black women in this fucking thing was and it, the only thing i can think of especially with him bringing up his interracial relationship is the fact that he just doesn't like black women and so he just cast someone that he thought was attractive but anyway so um yeah the pepsi advert bullshit it's the more moaning about the co-opting i don't think it's really it's not the co-optation of it i think it's interesting that we're like what possibly could i mean this these are the people if, if you've seen it the pepsi document where they break down the pepsi logo and it's like a lot of kind of geometry to explain all of the inputs and outputs from that Pepsi swirl, the the red and blue. And it's kind of expanding it out and making it kind of an abstract expressionist. They've got like a huge like PDF, like booklet of the breakdown of the Pepsi logo and what it means. What it means. Lots of arrows and lines. It's it's amazing. I'll see if I can link to it on the That's... Twitter actually because it's fucking hilarious. Dumb. <laughs> it's so dumb. It's the most sued thing you could think of. Uh, but it's more interesting of what they actually thought was... What is she handing the cop... What, like, the only thing I can think of is that capitalism and Pepsi... Pepsi and capitalism generally are kind of abstracting themself, themselves from the process of these protests and then inserting themselves in at the end to save the day. It's like, don't worry... We all drink from the same can. Which, as anyone will know, is unhygienic. (laughs) That's how I got ill. Probably from stealing your pints. (laughs) But, um, yeah, the Pepsi Pepsi thing... It pales into comparison with everything else. Um, And we'll go one notch up the newsometer. Yep. Um, With... Oh, we should get some props, mate. It doesn't matter if people can't see it. I want props. You want props? I want props. I want, like, a newsometer... Like a thermometer of news... No, 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 because then you're going down the Have I Got News For You road. No, I was thinking more day-to-day. I, w- I want to hire... An- <laughs> That'll be the first... Like, if I can be asked to try and set up a Patreon, the first Patreon goal is, I need this much money to employ an answer prancer. <laughs> <laughs> I need to buy a news lung. <laughs> we inflate it with the week's news, then bursts. <laughs> yes. That seems about right. Okay, well, what's, what's next um, on the, um, on the wheel of news? Oh, God. Free school lunches. This week, Jeremy Corbyn uh, took, I think it was on Saturday or Sunday, um, had the announcement that one of his key policies moving forward would be to provide uh, free school lunches. I saw this disgusting For thing. all children. At yeah. the moment, it's means tested, so only kids with parents who earn under £16,000 a year um, get school lunches. And he's proposing that we extend this to all school-aged children at school. Stand. But he's paying for this by stealing from hard-working middle-class parents who send their kids to private school. Hard-working middle-class parents who... No, I can't even pretend that I have a problem with that. I, I was genuinely shocked that you don't have to pay VAT on... Um, oh, yeah, it's on charitable. Private. Yeah, uh, well, I knew that there were charities, so they didn't have to pay. so they didn't have to pay taxes. But I thought you had to pay VAT on it because of it being, you know, a luxury. So you would think... As opposed to tampons. You would think... <laughs> Even in our debased age, that feeding hungry children would be—it's a—it's a no-brainer. You cannot possibly well, find anybody well, who I, well, would. I read the woman on—it was like a Guardian journalist, I think, who was having like a proper Guardian, rant about the it. Guardian education. Um, uh, one of their their education correspondents, Laura McInerney. Yeah, and she started like quite late at night, and she was going all the. It was, yeah. and the thing is, she changed her tune halfway through. and was making out that she just doesn't like the fact that rich kids will be able to get somebody. It's like that yeah. isn't how it started. You yeah. started off by saying that it doesn't make any difference if you feed children or not. <laughs> um, um, there were people saying 
that if you take away free, if you take away the means testing for free school meals, how are you going to know if which kids are poor or not? Apparently, that was a real. I, I read that the Guardian pros and cons article, oh, and one of the cons the was um, they use uh, free school meals to indicate which kids are disadvantaged or have problems oh, for fuck's with sake. poverty. Well, the thing is, <laughs> it it needs to be free. It needs to be well, not, not, it needs to be not means tested. Yes, because. Um, I can't remember. I think we talked about it on Friday, but I was drunk. Um, yeah. Did you have free school meals? I did for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so did I. Yeah, for a little bit, and then because I felt embarrassed by it, hmm. I started having packed lunches, and I assumed my mum just stopped eating. Yeah, and that's the thing: people don't take advantage of it. It's been well documented that it creates a divide. Yeah, in schools, mm. and you think even aside from the basic point of kids should have food yeah that it does foster the inclusive non-elitist non-separate environment that actually these people say they want they say they want all kids to have the same chance but even the smallest move in that direction i mean one of the things laura mckinney said taxing private school kids yeah to go on to uh there's one billion pounds in a room corbyn will spend it on families earning 16k plus i will spend it on families earning less which is the tory like, but also, well, it won't bring. You. It will be more than. It will be more than a billion. Well, also the yeah the idea that um, families earning just over sixteen thousand pounds oh, are really? somehow middle class. Yeah, it's so far, and it's just it's just the ferocity of the opposition really took me by surprise. Yeah, and the opposition, think, the first is, the first people no, to start opposing it were yeah. ones who are ostensibly. Well, it's the New Statesman were... journalist in the Guardian. Yeah, because it's straight off, every time I think that. I want to break away from Corbynism. I don't want to... No, this week I've been fully... I, don't I think Corbyn's all right. I don't want to have to go that. But every single thing that happens, yeah. the, the just the venom and the ferocity of opposition to him makes me go, you have to defend him because if if he can't, if, he, if his very, very modest proposals can't get past the muster, the media test, yeah. what the fuck chance does anything else have? We well, are never going to get It's either Corbyn or handsome Dan Jarvis. <laughs> This sounds like a policy that Dan Jarvis would bring in. No, it doesn't. It kind of... Well, I mean, it, it wouldn't be out of place, I'm saying. He'd put taxes... He'd put VAT on private schools hmm. and then use that money to buy more bullets <laughs> to fire into wildly into the Middle East. Um, amidst all the concern about... I put, assume. Amidst all the, the, VA, the concern about putting VAT on private school fees... Somebody did point out, it's like, yeah, it's a good job nobody puts VAT on things poor people like, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's actually using, because VAT is supposed to be just on luxuries, and it is a regressive tax because everyone has to pay. Yeah, it's like a yeah. flat tax that, you have to, that everyone has to pay no matter how rich you are. But it's, in this position, it's actually being used properly. Yeah. To, it's middle class people who can afford, it's expensive to send your kids to public school. It's like, was it 20 grand a year? Yeah. There, was a, there was a weird mangling of phrases. Uh, let me just get it up here. There was a weird... Um, but I refuse to believe if you've got a spare twenty grand to yeah. spend on sending your kids to a public school that you are hard up. Yeah. Because you can't be that hard up. No. There is there I think it's um one of the points in this in this Guardian article was one in five households with privately educated children earn less than fifty thousand pounds a year. That okay. sentence is so well, because they had 49,500 like, a year. Well, it, it's so kind of well, it could be there's so many outliers on that around yeah. that mean mm. that that could mean anything 
Um, but they go into something weird, like um, uh, earn less than £50,000 a year, suggesting some may struggle to meet a 20% hike, price hike. I mean, how, would they? I mean, I don't know how much they struggle now. Well, yeah. Presumably, there, is some, there are some families, middle-class families, who would be well off and want to send their kids to private school who are eating into their savings to go to private yeah. school. But... It's also a choice. It's also a choice. And the yeah. poor people I know who sent their kids to private school, or like there's a old, an old acquaintance of Lily's who's got into a private school. Oh, yeah. And the only reason that he can afford to is because scholarship, because there's no way that they could afford yeah. to pay for it anyway. Yeah. But um, So there's already things in place for that. But also, I don't give a fuck. Fuck private school. Yeah. They shouldn't also, exist. Also, all of this mess is being made up about 7% of the population. Yeah. 7% of the population yeah. have been I, I thought it was really Which telling means, just the kind of people who got really arsy about it. Yeah. Are, are people who were privately educated. Yeah. The media and the the, the kind of internship culture, the, the, the free internships, mean that yeah. only people who've been to private school and have the means to do that get into those media jobs. Mm. It's a self-selecting cadre of people. And it just means that also that the flip side of that is it's ninety three percent of people yeah. who go to state schools. Yeah, I, I just, um, it's amazing. I did see there was a oh that was it. The, the money will just be um, funneled into private food providers, and it's like <laughs> yeah. oh just wait until she finds out about capitalism and generally how all that works, as opposed to anything else. Yeah, it's like well actually no, I agree. Like maybe we should take it into state control. <laughs> Because we'll be able to do the food cheaper. Yeah. yeah. And better. Yeah. And while we're at it, why don't we take some trains and some energy companies and the press? <laughs> it's just, it's the largest... <laughs> this week I've been feeling very much like, ah, the free press is a bit overrated. I think we'll have one, one paper, Worker's Hammer. We'll just, I'll just start funneling all the money that would normally go to Murdoch. To the, I assume, four guys who run Workers Hammer. <laughs> See what glorious things they can come up with. It'd be amazing. What do you mean the guys? The guy? I think there's who probably runs four of them. I think there's probably four of them. I bet you, they are, there are, bet you there's more than one and they, they do say it's a committee. <laughs> Fully democratic. Yeah. All two of them. Yep. Just like this podcast. Fully <laughs> democratic. Yeah. Yeah. It's more like survival of the fittest. Yeah. <laughs> You, tr- you cross me too many times. You, c- you don't come up with a pun next week and it's just going to be me <laughs> for an hour and a half. I'll just replace you with someone else. Someone who comes in with a load of puns. It's, yeah, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to work out with the school meals thing where, where you go on from that when there's such like insane opposition. Willing well, to oppose, I think it's, I thought it didn't, matter, what, didn't any... matter how much they fucking bitch and moan about it. There was like a YouGov poll which said how many people actually they liked the idea. Because of course they would because... It just strikes me that maybe it, it points a way forward in that this shouldn't be something that we're asking for. No. A lot of these kind of lifestyle lifestyle things, these like bread and butter issues, it should be why they're not there. Yeah. It shouldn't have to be why are we granting people something. It should be why do they not already have this. Yeah. I don't know. There has to be a kind of tipping point and an inverse of it. Um yeah, it's. It, I think it's probably a winner for Jeremy Corbyn mm. if he gets to election time. Well, it may be very much 
again, it's like, like I, I don't... bitch about how he never says anything, and then he came yeah. out and said a thing that I agree with. I he's... don't think I think he could go further. He's been coming out with things all week: the the bus networks and um, yeah. the investment bank, which again, a moderate capitalist yeah. procedure. He um, announced today that um, he wants to set up a kind of national investment bank, yeah. help out small businesses. Yeah. You know, the usual That's new labour stuff. It's a Tory and new labour policy. It's not fucking extreme in any way, but. The yeah, opposition to it's not the kind of thing so a Bolshevik fucking, would say. Yeah, no, it's it's so vociferous the opposition to him that it's it makes me kind of go on side with him. It's yeah, it's that. It's um, a weird one. The constant feeling like I'm being gaslit by mm. the by the radio and the TV just makes me like him more. Yeah, and yeah. I don't want to like the Labour Party. <laughs> it's yeah. It's not. It's not. It's a weird position to be in. He'd properly have me on side if he just started deselecting huge swaths of people. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> like um, Michael Dewar. Mm-hmm. I would have deselected him this week. <laughs> I assume deselecting means go round to his house and beat him with a sack of hammers, sack of hammers, sack of pennies. I'm very tired and not well. A sack, sack of heavy sack, things. I imagine a sack of hammers works about as well. Yeah, probably be, better actually. A actually, sack of pennies. Kind of hard to swing. <laughs> A sack of three hammers. <laughs> three hammers and a bell outside. So what else is on the, on yeah, the news wheel? So, whew, and okay, then spin the news wheel. Just as I thought that it couldn't get any worse. Um, Donald Trump has decided, uh, took action this week after the uh, alleged chemical attack by the Syrian government in Idlib um, has authorised cruise missile strikes on Syria, on Syrian government facilities and set off this whole train in motion again. Well, I assume he's going to send some rockets to deal with that attack in Yemen. <laughs> oh no, that was him. <laughs> He'll be sending rockets to Yemen. <laughs> like he did last week. <laughs> yeah, I say Yemen. <laughs> Saudi. Um, yeah, this is... Um, <laughs> there was a great thing. In the Sunday Times, Michael Fallon, uh, the Defence Secretary, said, Russia must be part of the solution to ending the needless suffering of, of Syrian civilians. Here we go. Bold, this bit. Assad's principal backer is Russia. By proxy, Russia is responsible for every civilian death last week, he said. Lovely. I too would like war with Russia. (laughs) It was more the kind of, ah, yes, we should hold states accountable for actions done by their proxies. (laughs) In which case, I think we'd end up with every single Western politician in the Hague. Which? Yeah, which, you know... It's just that it's this whole thing again. Do you get that deja vu feeling of this feels exactly this week since those attacks, since those missile strikes has felt just like Iraq all over again. It's that same the, um, cycle. Was it was it the was it a CNN journalist or yeah. the one talking about the beauty the beauty of our weapons? It was Brian Williams. It was the guy who lied about being in that yeah. helicopter under fire and quoted. Fucking um, Leonard Cohen, mm. known pro-war activist Leonard Cohen, <laughs> spinning in his grave. Um, it was again. It was another incredible moment. All of these people. Trump's a fascist. Trump's yes. disgracing the office of the president. Ah, but he launches a missile strike. Now he looks presidential, which actually reveals way more than I think well, they thought it meant. Which was, well, he's president as soon as he starts bombing people. Yeah. Well, it's because they're afraid he wasn't going to bomb people. Yeah. And what they want, and it's what liberal journalists want, is they want a disciplined daddy. They want that. Yeah, they want that Second World War. Um, 
narrative again, that coverage again. Yeah. They want to be that war journalist. It's it's Ooh. gotten to like just sickening proportions. But you know, it's also that most of the rockets didn't hit. Yeah, he the fired target, something like they, sixty, and I think something like seven hit. Yeah, they because they're not very accurate, and no. I, I did see there was a thing covering that the person who fired them was a woman. So you know. That's better. Woke missiles. Yeah. And that's the thing, it's like the liberal liberal journalists. Um, I think it was someone on Twitter was saying that if it was um if they were around during World War Two they would be calling for female concentration camp guards. Which <laughs> yeah. I could see a lot of them doing that. You can't you can't you can't do that. You no. can't just say I Trump is disgusting. Never he's a Hitler. Yep. But luckily Hitler never waged war. So <laughs> This, oh, they're so dumb, and it was all. It's just, yeah, we're so war soon. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. I don't want war. It. I mean, I hope it. It's. It's impossible to know because Trump is <laughs> a motiv- unknowing, mo- unknowable mo- figure, motivated by insulin spikes and yeah, what and he's seen on the news. What he sees on TV. Yeah. So apparently, there was a story out today about uh, that it was Ivanka Trump who actually convinced him to. Because uh, she had seen on the news and said, "Oh, it's so sad. It's so sad," which it is. I was about to say that, but, uh, I, from what I've seen of Ivanka Trump, she probably couldn't convince anyone of anything. But then again, he's probably one of the only people, and you could see it. Dude, she has no might seem a bit sexist now, she but have cried. you've seen the kind of the rich girl flirting with daddy thing of daddy, like in um, Parks and Rec with the obnoxious <laughs> yeah. rich kid children. Yeah, yeah, I could see it. Like, daddy, please. <laughs> Yeah, but it's, it's nice to see that, you know, and it, that the person who's in charge of the American war effort is Ivanka Trump. <laughs> um, this was preceded by Steve Bannon being chucked off the National Security Council. So presumably someone said to said this to Trump and he got him off the National Security Council. I don't so know if he was chucked off the National a, Security Council. It was probably that thing of, you know, when you're at a bar and they've, they've got their thing of, no, you've, you've had enough. And he probably got to the drink limit of the National Security Council. He'd finished one of the big crystal... The thing is, I think that's a metaphor. However, I also think that literally happened. I think he had too many drinks. Yeah, I think, I think out he of literally all the people... Have you seen that man's nose? Jesus out of all the people that are in positions of power in the American government, he's the one who's been told, you've had enough, sir, <laughs> the most. Yeah, the response from... It's incredible. I, we were talking earlier about how um, people have been through the co-optation of movements and, and things like that. Yeah, I am old enough to remember exactly what the media environment was around the early bit of the Iraq War, and it's exactly the fucking same. Yeah, it's journalists going, "Well, what would you do? Well, yeah. what would you do about uh, um, Assad gassing a load of kids?" It's like, "Well, I wouldn't," you know subject them to a different a slightly different form of chemical warfare by chemically propelling shrapnel through their bodies well, who sold if that's the, what you asked who sold us had the chemical weapons yeah um, and again with the Syria thing it brings us back to Corbyn there was yeah. like the criticism of him was like first thing in the morning mm-hmm. there was like why hasn't he said anything yet why hasn't he said anything yet and then that stupid bloated destiny playing dickhead Tom Watson <laughs> Um, came out with his, you know, I can't remember. He was, he's in favour of it. Yeah, um, of course he is. Yeah, yeah, of course he would be because he, you know, he plays Destiny. Therefore, he's got very, a lot of very wrong opinions. <laughs> but um, then, after a while, Jeremy Corbyn came out with a statement that was fair and reasonable. <laughs> yeah, what should be a standard liberal response? Yeah, again, 
It was, something's clearly gone on here. The only way we can find out is if you have the only body we have to investigate this, which is the UN. Yeah. Bombing Syria does nothing. No. It kills more people and aggravates well, the Well, what was the first thing that happened? Again. Who were the first people into the area afterwards? It was like, it was reports of um, Daesh troops. Yeah, going ISIS in. went went in and supposedly reclaimed the uh, yeah. like claimed various areas that were being attacked from that airspace. <laughs> it's it's but just then, that same thing. It's that same kind of like shouting down of, yeah. of anti-war voices. Has there been one anti? I haven't watched a lot of British news um, about I it. I haven't really seen any anti-war. Is there is there a single anti-war voice on there? No. They're doing exactly that. All of the people who, in about 2009, 2010, wrote mayor culpers about the Iraq yeah. war, saying we were wrong. James O'Brien or, did it. Yeah, it's, it, it's exactly the same thing, and it's maddening. Yeah, the As, inconsistency. Um, and I saw um, thingy Theresa May still hasn't really done anything. She was on. She's on a walking holiday at the moment in Wales. <laughs> Seriously, she's on a walking holiday. Oh, really? Um, she apparently she is available, and she oh. did talk. And she did talk to Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Say. I mean, um, they've, the, Boris Johnson has responded by um, suggesting more sanctions on Russia because he can't stop poking that. No. It's the only thing that European states who are in favour of that can can do beyond what they're already doing because they're already bombing ISIS areas and the and the French government are already yeah. um, engaged in the area. We're already supplying an, uh, weapons to anti-Assad um, uh, rebels. Yeah. Which include Al Qaeda. Yeah. Um, I mean, even the even the kind of um, veil of the idea that we're oh we're only supplying the moderates has mm. just completely fallen away. I mean, a because have you ever seen a moderate in a civil war? No. No. If you're moderate in a civil war, you very quickly become very fucking radical. You should give stuff to piss pit granddad. Um, <laughs> he seems to be the main guy I follow for stuff to do with Syria. But um, um and. We've been doing that for years and years yeah. and years, and it hasn't happened. The only way this is going to calm down is going to be a Russia brokered peace. It seems. Yeah. And unless you, it, this, this. Well, it, you would say that Louise Mensch, she knows she's like. Oh, Louise Mensch. She knows what's going on. I'm afraid to engage with Louise Mensch on Twitter. She's properly gone off the deep end. Oh, she's been fantastic. I saw like a, a thing of like just how many like she did like over 900 tweets in a day. <laughs> She's the best, and it is the ADHD given superpowers that she claims. <laughs> but it does seem like she doesn't sleep anymore. She doesn't sleep. She doesn't eat. I think that her husband is a bad person. <laughs> like if I was doing that, I think my wife would stop me. <laughs> what and, if you were tweeting that much? Yeah, if I was just like going that insane, <laughs> if I'd like was scrawling all on the walls like ties between different people. Like she was posting yeah, pictures of people okay. saying, "Like I saw this person. Is he Russian?" Like, no, my favourite thing that she does is she tweets into the ether at her, like, the hidden network of spies mm. that she thinks are working for Trump to kind yep. of demoralise her and attack her brain. Yep. Steal, <laughs> steal her vital essence. <laughs> she is, like I reckon, Ripper. we're a good maybe a month away, I reckon, before she starts writing for her, a literal tip for her, or she starts crowdfunding for one. <laughs> um... Another interesting aspect of this whole Syria thing has been um, all the alt-right people turning oh, on Trump. Yeah. <laughs> I wondered how long it would take. It was an obvious move for them to make as yeah. soon as he does the same thing that every American establishment politician does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, their reasoning for it is um, is really weird. I mean, it's hard to, like, you know, 
they're not supporting it, which is a good thing. But the main reason they seem to be support not supporting it is because they believe that they'll be somehow tainted yeah. by the mysterious ways of the Oriental. If they <laughs> if they come into contact with like Middle Eastern civil conflicts, they believe that the ethnic strife will somehow travel back through the cruise missiles <laughs> and infect the West with ethnic tension. <laughs> It's that weird. Orwell yeah. did a thing about that, you know, did he? like his well, the, the whole shooting an elephant essay. It's dripping with I it. It's he sees it's um, uh, uh, an account of when he was a policeman in Burma and he got to shoot an elephant, yeah. and he sees all of the um, the the laughing kind of brown faces looking at him, <laughs> and as 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 he was set up in this kind of staged hunt for an elephant. Orwell's the worst. Um, and it's like ah, this 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 lust for violence and blood—it's somehow infecting me, the pure Englishman. It's a very strange article. I've never thought of Orwell the same the same this way. Before after, or after that beautiful it. picture of him with his katana. <laughs> <laughs> I've ne- I, yeah, I've never I've never thought about Orwell the same way after that. But he, they've got this kind of thing. But they've all become disillusioned with him, and they're mm. presumably supporting some other fucking well, nutter. Like I went for a bit of a phase last week. Of watching was it um, Paul Joseph Watson's? Is that his name? Yeah, yeah, Paul Joseph Watson. Yeah, watching his um, YouTube videos, which are fantastic. <laughs> They're so good. Him complaining about degenerate art—that's awesome. <laughs> That's hilarious. Complaining about being called a Nazi while complaining about degenerate art—it's delicious. <laughs> um, but yeah, I try and stay away from them. But you know, my actually, my uh, one more thing on the alt right. My favorite bit of them is the trad Catholics, the trad cats, the best. traditional Catholics. Who are saying, but no, Assad is our obvious um, ally in the neo-crusade. They want to start in the Middle East to convert everybody back to Christianity. Because he's um, he's Muslim, but he's an Alawite, which is yeah. a particular um, uh, minority religion. I, I think it's a minority religion even in Syria. Mm. But that whole, that whole mess is, yeah, well, he's obviously a kind of borderline ally in this, <laughs> in this new Aleppo. This new Crusader states that we're going to form in northern Syria. I'm like not saying it's many because I'm just pulling a very confused face. It's I'm just trying to imagine a tradcalf in their what I assume is they'll call it power armor, but it's basically a rascal with a gun on the front, <laughs> just trying to go through the desert. Bringing <laughs> it's like um in Judge Dredd with the retired judges yeah. taking law out to the lawless. What's the better they love Judge Dredd? And not for the same reasons I love Judge Dredd. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Taking it at face value. Mm. But yeah, that's the news, isn't it, yeah, generally? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, the British, response, the British response has been kind of supportive, but largely staying staying out of it and talking about kind of um, sanctions and, and things like that. They're probably as ready to go to war as any of the other states, but... I don't see how they... I don't think there's a desire think, in Britain now to go to war. Like, there isn't as much of an anti-war a... thing, but I, I think that you'll be able to convince the British people that we should drone strike and fire rockets. And Syria, as opposed to some of the other ones, you can fire rockets at see, them from I, safety. You see, I, I, I think the British state has never, ever desired anything less than to be at war constantly. Well, yeah. Well, what I mean, is there's, there's, I don't think you're going to be able to convince the British people to send actual soldiers into a place. Mm. Robotic warfare, yeah, they'll be all fine yeah. for that. But I don't think there's that much of a desire for it. Like, it does make me sad that we don't have the same anti-war kind of feeling that we used to. I mean, I think if if 
if it came to a larger scale engagement, I think that thing would pop up pretty quickly. Yeah, I hope so. Because, I mean, the previous anti-war movement came up when there weren't all of these other problems and there yeah. wasn't this kind of... I mean, I, I hate to say the word resurgent left, but yeah. there is more of a feeling and more of an investigation into this this particular structure is, and way of doing things isn't working. It is a delightful situation we're in at the moment where you have... Um, People on the keep on saying supposed left, yeah. pe- um, liberals in the media, yeah. um, in one week saying how much they don't want to feed children, but also how much they want to bomb other children. It was very telling, actually. You just reminded me about that. Very telling that almost all of the people who were praising Trump yeah. for um, taking action in Syria were exactly the same people who complained about punching a Nazi. Yeah, punching Nazis bad, bombing Syrian children. Very, very good. Yep, it's it. It's a it's unbelievable. They've yep. never met a state that they didn't like doing violence. <laughs> okay, coming back in from me having a much needed medication break, doing a line of cold and flu medication, <laughs> and then pouring myself another drink. I've run out of gin now, so now I'm on to tequila and a bit of lemon, <laughs> which is all right. Actually, sorry, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah. So now let's talk about. A man that I've loved this man for a long time. Yeah. It's a rare one, actually. We're actually talking about someone who we both like. Yeah. Like, really, really like him. Mm. Um, When he was working on LBC, it was my favourite bit of him and David Meller. Mm. Loved them. But, yeah, Ken. We're going to talk about Ken Livingston, his life, his loves, his snails. It's not snails, it's salamanders. He likes salamanders and newts. Snails. Um, Shut your horn. Okay, he might be a he might be the second coming of Hitler, but he doesn't like snails. He doesn't like snails and he doesn't like Jews. That's what I've got. For the past year or so, Ken's been embroiled in this so-called scandal. Um, the anti-Semitism about, stuff has been going on for a while with Ken, though. Um, yeah, but I mean, the, uh, this particular um, incident yeah. happened about a year ago, um, where. He was supporting um, a Labour MP who'd been disciplined for tweeting some, I think, probably edgy, but not particularly... It was from a Jewish paper, wasn't it? Um, No, no, it was on Twitter. Um, When the the last Gaza offensive was happening Mm. in Israel, Nashar tweeted a couple of things that stick out in my memory, which was... a It was a picture of um, Israel transposed into um, America, saying, um, well, Israelis can go and live there. Edgy. Like the Sheldon joke in Big Bang Theory. Well, yeah. Edgy. Yeah. Not anti-Semitic. Then she put up a poll um, where she used the word Jews instead of Israelis. It was bad. Israelis do that. It was done. <laughs> well, yeah. we're not taking cues from them. No, um, God no. Otherwise we'd start sterilising immigrants. She said, I'm stupid. I apologise. Yeah. It was dumb. Um... Ken then went on, um, I can't remember what the programme was, but she was talking to, he was talking to Vanessa Feltz. Yeah, it was on a radio show. It's on yeah. like, um, I think it's, is it Five Live? No. TalkSport? No, not TalkSport. The one that's not LBC. Uh, on BBC Radio. That's the one. saying, yeah. Radio London. Um, he said that nothing that amounts to, he said, she said nothing that, was, that amounted to anti-Semitism, but her remarks were over the top. Um... He then went on to make a comparison to Zionists who 
Zionists in the second before the Second World War who collaborated with Hitler in order to um, expel Jews from Germany and said it's the same kind of thing. Uh, let's actually re- I'll read the quote exactly. Okay. Um, Venusfeld says um, she talked about what Hitler did being legal. I'm not sure that she talked about that. She talked about the Jews rallying. She used the word Jews, not Israelis or Israel. You didn't find that to be anti-Semitic. Ken replies, mm. no, it's completely over the top. It's not anti-Semitic. Let's remember when Hitler won his election in 1932, his policy then was that Jews should be moved to Israel. He was supporting Zionism. He then went mad and ended up killing six million Jews. Such an adorable man. It's like such an old man thing to say. And uh, then he went mad. He's been he's been disciplined by the Labour Party um, in the last week, and he's been suspended from the party of a year. But people are still calling for his head. Yeah, that, that, they're calling for him to be expelled from the Labour Party. I did think what's that it's very. On, what's your view on this, Hugh? Because I've got a particular kind of try and be okay. I don't think Ken's an anti-Semite. I think he's an old man. I think he's a dumb old man who won't shut up. Um, yeah. I think it's very telling that the kind of people that think that he's a monster, well, on Twitter a couple of days ago, were saying Marine Le Pen is less dangerous to Jews than Corbyn. This morning, actually, um, the editor of the Jewish Chronicle um, said, I believe Corbyn... Um, oh, it was yesterday she was saying Corbyn, that he was saying Corbyn that Corbyn is, is more is dangerous, dangerous than uh, Le Pen. Yeah, which I think that sort of shows, really. And a lot of um, a lot of the people who are like in support of well, tr- what Trump's been doing in Syria at the moment, and they were like being quite nice about Trump and the Trump administration. And it's like you do realize Bannon is a literal card carrying anti-Semite. <laughs> like he he had cards made because you can't just you don't not give him those cards. He had them specifically made. <laughs> Ken's. Um... So I don't think he's an anti-Semite. No, I think he's I don't an think idiot. He's anti-Semite. His record on this goes back um, further. Him saying things like um, when he was being photographed, when he was London mayor, I believe, hmm. and he was being photographed by a member of the paparazzi, and he said, "You're like a concentration camp guard," because the I think it was like that. I think the cameraman like, said, "I'm just doing my job," and he made a joke. I think it was that being, was like a concentration. I think it was camp during guard. an interview. No, no, it was in the street, was, as I remember, yeah. Yeah, he's like, was, you leave me alone. It's like, yeah. I'm just doing my job. Yeah. And he's like, you're like a Nazi concentration camp guard. And he said, well, actually, I'm Jewish. Yeah. And then it got turned into an anti-Semitism thing. It's like, well, not really. Yeah. There was a quite an interesting article by... Let me just get his name up here. Nick Cohen. Um, Nick Co- <laughs> yeah, Nick Cohen. It's... <laughs> I saw that Nick. That's another thing. Nick um, Cohen has some very specific views on it, which made me take the exact opposite view. Well, you should always take the exact opposite view of whatever Nick. Well, Cohen because Nick says. Cohen said that because of it, if you're still a member of the Labour Party, you're a racist now. It's like, well, no, no, that They're, was what? Um, who was it? Uh, it was um, fucking Dan Hodges. Oh yeah, shit, it was Dan Hodges. It was Dan that. Hodges. I'm Nick sorry Cohen, for his... No, don't get me wrong. Nick Cohen said something pretty <laughs> similar. Yeah. But Dan Hodges wrote, uh, yeah, if you're a member of the Labour Party from now on, you are a racist. As opposed to all the times that you haven't been a racist when you've been the Tories. Yeah. (laughs) So his mum. Quite a good article by David Rosenberg, who was involved with the GLC back in the 80s. Yeah. Talking about where a lot of this kind of came from. Okay. And I actually think it's a pretty balanced um, uh, view of kind of where Ken lay then and and where he he lies now. Okay. So back in the day, Ken pioneered the kind of... um, GLC policy of giving grants to people and ethnic minority groups who um, came and asked for them. Okay. Rather than deciding from on top, he would say, come to me with a project, an idea, you want to set up a a choir or a a, a youth group or something like that. Come to me with the idea and I'll give you the money. Yeah. 
This happened for a number of years. Um, a lot of Jewish socialist groups um, came through, asked for money for particular things, and he was he kind of granted it. Um, the way David Rosenberg points it is that at some point the um, the Jewish Board of Deputies, which is kind of like the Muslim Council of Britain, yeah, in that it's I'm aware one of, of those weird NGO kind of yeah. um, claims to speak for all Jews. Had, it became increasingly um, Israel-centred. It, yeah. Its job was to defend Israel. Well, knowing of them as I do um, now, it's hard to imagine that they weren't always... No, they did take... They took a, a kind of Thatcherite turn in the 80s. So okay. They became more closely aligned um, with a kind of more conservative way of looking at things. They I... slowly started trying to take control of these uh, these grant-giving opportunities okay. and, in fact, started disciplining members who went with schemes to this GLC um Went tried to go through this GLC grants process. Okay, you telling me that there's a Jewish conspiracy? I'm not telling you there's a Jewish conspiracy. It's not a conspiracy. It's, no. <laughs> it's power politics. It's yeah. like anything. Yeah. Um, and he's Ken's response to this most recent thing was to bring up uh, an old historian called Lenny Brenner, who is yeah. an old trot. Yeah. historian who wrote a lot about the links between Zionism and uh, Hitler's policies. I just love the idea of his care and he's being targeted mainly, I reckon, yeah. because, you know, he's closely aligned with Corbyn mm. and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, all the stuff yeah. against Corbyn is like, yeah. I know who will defend me yeah. and will get the media off my back. I'm going to phone up an old trot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna phone up an old trot and he'll help me. It overplayed. Basically, the historical background is that this kind of stuff over. Like he, he was dumb. You're right, he was dumb. But the way he was specifically dumb, he overplays the significance and manner of collaboration between the Zionist movement of the 30s. Yeah, which Zionists were actually involved with it and the actual process they went through to go from Germany to Israel. Okay, he overplays that. It's dumb. Don't yeah. defend it. Ken appears on these things every now and again, and every time he seems to come up. He doesn't have to be on these things. He's no. not a politician anymore. He's no. not an elected politician. He said it. He's, he, said, he said it. He's a house husband now. Yeah, he's a he's a house husband, or he's doing he's doing things with his newts, his snails. It's not his snails. <laughs> Stop saying that. I'll not have you besmirch him. His love he of amphibians himself. <laughs> he does, but his love of amphibians is one of my favourite things about him because it's so weirdly old bad British <laughs> he doesn't have to do any of these things and, and it, I think actually I was trying to think about this today and, and think about where it links in with everything I mean he's a very unique person I don't think there's another person quite like him weirdly enough the person closest to him in British politics is Corbyn the, per, the, the closest to his profile is yeah. what I mean. Um, that kind of the last significantly remain, the higher last remains, profile than him. Yeah, the last, but the last remains of like the old left, the seventies yeah. left of of London when yeah. under the GLC. Back in the putting up the unemployment numbers outside the GLC, so Thatcher could see it on her way into work, yeah, that kind of that, stuff, that yeah. kind of thing. And it just kind of pointed to a kind of desperation that I feel whenever I feel about whenever I think about Corbyn or Ken Livingstone. It's like these are supposed to be the elders of. The movement, whatever yeah. movement exists, whatever it is, I can't, yeah. I can't define exactly what it is mm. right now. I don't know. It's mostly contained around momentum and the Labour Party, but it's not wholly composed of that. It's the closest yeah. I can come to a description of it. And I was thinking about, it's like, they're supposed to be the elders of the party. They're supposed to be going on, and I suppose Ken thought he was doing this, in and defending MPs and representatives from these kind of accusation, these kind of... Uh, things, these kind of ploys that people that people often do to 
to bring people down and tar yeah. them with a, a brush that, so, you, you know, they're, they're definitely was, not guilty of. What was the thing he, um, when he wheeled out the old trot, what did the old, what did the old trot have to say? Um, I don't actually remember. I think it was a closed um, committee where he had... Oh, yeah, because that was the thing. I did see that he wanted, he was up for um, appealing it and taking it further because yeah. he d- didn't like how because it's a closed can't committee. Because he fucking shut up. No. Like, he... He, he could have sh- just said... Yeah, sorry, I shouldn't have he said that and just left it. Fucking, but he doesn't he, ever like. He should be off the fucking stage at the moment, providing the kind of because he does still carry a certain weight, carry a yeah. certain of authority. He should be in any properly functioning uh, movement or organization. He should be the elder statesman. Mm. I'm. It sounds crap. It sounds like kind of politics as usual. But a movement like that does need it. This momentum has a lot of younger people in it and will need to attract more if it's going to get anything done on the streets and in parliament and yeah. in councils and things like that and it's just it's fucking typical of him he just does not know when to no. give it up he can't give up that like limelight this is all out of his own choice it wasn't a procedural question yeah. anything like that he chose to it go was, on there it's just I think very disheartening the way I feel about it is that it's very much like I remember the Saturday after he said it that um, David Mellor didn't have him yeah. on that morning. Oh, yeah. And he was going, oh, Ken, dear, dear Ken. And then and then he had Stanley Johnson on his head. And that, of yeah. course, that's going to make me angry. <laughs> and then since then, what have I had on a Saturday morning? I can't remember, actually, because I stopped listening. It was some Katie Hopkins at first, and then I got rid of Katie Hopkins on mm. that and put her on to Sunday. Well, at a time when all of those things are kind of aligning to abolish left-wing voices, yeah. you can't... It's one of those weird things that, yeah, you can't afford to lose someone like Ken. Yeah. But they're ageing out so quickly. Yeah. And with such a capacity to completely dominate headlines and mm. stories for the wrong reason, you're getting crowded out. There's something uh, about today about um, the NUS, which, you know, has been a bastion of uh, like progressive politics. It gets people in the streets. Mm. It gets people thinking. It yeah. does. Um, there's a challenge to Malia Boatia, Boutia, Boatia, I'm sorry, I, I mangled that name. Um, the current president of the NUS, who's, um, I believe she's uh, Moroccan, um, of Moroccan extraction. And there's a challenger by the name of Tom Harwood, who's yeah, like this. I've been following him on yeah. Twitter because he is delightful. He's, He's literally a, Tory boy. Yeah. He's a jokey kind of, oh, students don't care about this big Israel-Palestine thing. Bringing it back to my larger point is left-wing voices are being excised from any discussions yeah. about anything. It's going to be an echo chamber with liberals firing things about culture well, back like at a, conservatives who fire nothing. It's like the point of you that know? GQ interview with um, Owen Jones was to cement him as, yeah. as this is as far left as you're allowed to go. Yeah. Do not go any further. Yeah, they're cementing, they're bringing him in as a liberal commentator and bringing his lifestyle into it because people, yeah. oh, everybody wants to know, you know, how Dan Hodges lives. Um, it's just, it's just, it was very disappointing to me because it shouldn't, it shouldn't be this way. It just kind of, there should be an intergenerational kind of deal here, but where the middle-aged people are, in, are MPs, the older people can actually um, offer offer counsel, and if they have enough, if they have enough voice and enough authority to them, people but, people will end up listening to them because. God knows Ken has shown he can get on the fucking news. Yeah. You know? But the thing is, he's not... Okay, he's not an anti-Semite. No, no, no. I don't think he's He shouldn't be kicked out of the party. No. Um, He probably did bring the party into a 
bit of disrepute, I guess, for not just apologising. But there's plenty of people in the Labour Party who bring it into more. Oh, wait. Like um, Michael Dewar tweeting about um, Jeremy Corbyn taking so long to respond about Syria, saying yeah. that um, his speechwriter has to run it by the Morning Star and the Kremlin. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking bellend. I mean, again, like, I know you love Ken and everything. And I, I wasn't do. in London when he was mayor. Well, when he was mayor, I was I was in halls yeah. um, on Finchley Road, mm. and there was a couple of times when I got the same training to work with him, and that was that just made me it it felt nice. Yeah, he got the tube, and then Boris came in. Boris never got the tube. I do see Sadiq Khan quite often because I live in Tooting. Yeah, so I see him occasionally. Yeah, well, I used to, I used to see Ken, and it'd be and it'd be like reading. I saw, I saw Ken reading the Morning Star. <laughs> And that made me really happy. Mm. But yeah, I don't think he. I don't think he should have said it. I don't think he should have come out and said anything. Really, he had no place to say it. Yeah. Um, but also, he's always been that kind of guy who doesn't really do what he's told. Yeah. And that's kind of the problem with like the elder statesmen of the Corbyn part of the Labour Party. Yeah. They spent their entire careers not really doing what they're told, yeah. and now they don't want to listen to Corbyn because Corbyn was never their de facto leader anyway. No, no. Um, I just it just makes me think like I see like old pictures of like. Um, Corbyn and McDonnell and Ken and um, Galloway mm. and just think it's just like um, The Breakfast Club and you could have this you could do this beautiful <laughs> sitcom uh, or just like a nice little film about those people in the Labour Party at the end it has like and what they went on to do it's like Ken he did alright was a radio DJ then was embroiled in a, in a semitism scandal to disappear George Galloway He's like, George Calloway was never seen again. <laughs> it just fades out of the picture. Yeah. It's mainly because it's just that thing of, it's hard to look at a picture of George Calloway without going, oh God, you look kind of cool. He's like wearing like a floor-length fur coat smoking a cigar. Actually, do you know what? Come to think of it, George Calloway is probably um, another one. Yeah, he was part of that at whole this, group. At, at, at this point, he shouldn't be running for MP. Well, he he's should... such a fucking... Um, he wants to... Be a dictator. Yeah. If ever it's like all the stuff they'll say about that they say about Corbyn and those people, Galloway is the one. Like, I think I think Jeremy Corbyn would be probably quite a good prime minister. Yeah. The same with McDonnell. Yeah. Diane Abbott. I all think. Of them. It, um, I don't, but I actually, Galloway, I, I would genuinely be a bit nervous. <laughs> Wouldn't you? I don't know what he stands for anymore. He's he's Galloway. so knee jerk with everything. Um, I'm sure he was complaining because someone stole his banner. He's been knee jerk for years. He's been he's been playing. That's what I don't want. I don't like knee jerk. Yeah, I mean, I think Corbyn would be a good prime minister, but also it would be good because the office of prime minister would mean less. Yeah, I think it would be more of a collaborative effort, and that's probably what fucking British politics needs right now because we're heading straight towards a an elective kind of dictatorship anyway. Yeah, you just elect the Queen every every five years. You're heading. We're heading towards that constitution anyway, as we mentioned in the last episode. The government's going to have massive Brexit-induced powers yeah. to set and revise legislation. Yeah. It could probably probably do with that thing again. Jeremy Corbyn's milk toast. Yeah, he's fucking nothing. Like what? His policies, free school lunches. I'll make well, buses a bit they're, better. They're all, yeah, they're, know, nice, they're nice. They're nice things, but they're not they're hard nice. loving. I want. I want Bob Crow. <laughs> Reanimated calls Bob Crow. That's not what I want. <laughs> What did that did that man ever do anything wrong? No, I 
didn't study him that closely, but I I always liked what he came out with. He was never he was a trade union leader kind of through and through though. He was mm. he was in that sector and he understood that. He was part of a no to EU. He fought um, for members that pro that left wing no to EU stuff, which. Mm. And his stuff was, uh, I agreed with virtually all of that stuff. It probably, I mean, he, w- he would have obviously been an important linchpin in some kind of united front, which seems to disappear with every every kind of moment that Corbyn's in power at the minute. But, yeah. you know, you still hold out hope. But yeah, so but, yeah, the, whole, the Ken uh, thing is a mess. He's not an anti-Semite, though. That's the, the thing. is, He's not an anti-Semite. And the people who are calling him an anti-Semite the They're closing up to genuine anti-Semites to in America. About, to talk about kind of anti-Israeli, because obviously both anti-Israeli, pro, pro-Palestinian activism, pro-justice on that front, pro-Palestinian yeah. justice, to mangle the words, on that front. But to talk about the kind of um, anti-Israel thing, a lot of people seem to come unstuck because they're trying to find analogies yeah. for what it's like. So, ah, oh, it's like apartheid South Africa. Probably uh, slightly closer. Oh, it's like, you know, it's like Zionism collaborated with Hitler. Therefore, yeah. it's by tra- the transference principle, yeah. like Hitler. And it's like, can't they be their own kind of evil? Like, the Israeli government can be its own kind well, of it's evil. It's the bake-off, um, like strictly to... come-dancing need to yeah. constantly call back to other you things. You don't need to find an old model in order to make your yeah. criticism of Israel justifiable. Yeah. And it just provides... Because people will look into the historical record and they will bog you down with historical debates forever because it's not like anything that came previously. Also, like... Not exactly. Neither of us are, like, pro-Israel, but no. I would not say, you know, the thing with Israel is they're just like Hitler. <laughs> because that's a dumb thing to say. I'm anti-Israel because I don't want to see Europe cleansed of Jews. That might seem like a... Uh, Thing, but that's also something that Benjamin Netanyahu wrote. Yeah. Every <laughs> single attack on a Jewish school in Paris or yeah. every kind of anti-Semitic incident anywhere in Europe, he says, come to Israel yeah. because you're not safe in Europe. And I don't want that. No. Okay? I no. don't want that. Um, I like the, well, the tradition of Jews in East London. Mm. Uh, going back to Figgy. Um, like the, you would defend any other ethnic back, minority Figgy, group. Figgy, the hairdresser. Keep on forgetting this Oh, Vidal Sassoon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that kind of stuff, and I love I love living in a multicultural city, and I yeah. don't want to lose part of that. Yeah, um, not that I'm going to eat salt beef bagels anymore, but oh, they're so good. Yeah, no, they are God, so good. I would miss that. I would miss that if I was a vegan. <sighs> but I, it it speaks to me being less tolerant of Ken. Like a, a couple of times, obviously, obviously, I don't think he's an anti semite. No, he wouldn't have had the record that he has while being an anti-Semite. And, oh. and it's over, and he's right, it's overblown, and it's used to hit out at not just criticisms of Israel, uh, uh, critics of Israel, but it's used to hit out, at, frankly, criticisms of capitalist, yeah. the capitalist imperial structure as it oh. exists, oh. which includes the right in the UK, the establishment of the UK, yeah. and plugs Israel into that. When you look at one of his main defenders on Twitter is Michael Rosen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's lovely things of Michael Rosen saying I was on anti-racist marches with Ken can you explain to me why I should be afraid of Ken Livingston yeah. now I've known him for years <laughs> <laughs> but it's that it's that thing and I'm and it, it's I from looking at Twitter it is boiling up to people starting to say that Michael Rosen is a self-hating Jew you yeah. can just see it coming yeah. it's because they're reinforcing that media line and anything that at this point anything that Ken puts up 
is going to be is going to be tainted by that. And I know it's unfair, and I know it's it's shitty. Yeah. But he's got to shuffle off. Yeah. He's got to shuffle off. Yeah. Just go back. And to stop his, doing it. Just sit around with his notes. Yeah. And, and he can't. He can't do it anymore. I just, I just, I just want him on the radio again. I loved him on the radio. <laughs> it was so good. But yeah. So that's yeah. Ken. Yeah. That's uh, that's. Ken's. It's a whole. What's our feelings on Ken? It's a whole mishmash. He should shut up. <laughs> like, yeah. He should shut up. And it does point to a, a greater problem with the left at the moment in Britain, is we don't have the left's voices being excised from the media, and we don't really have. Yeah, it feeds into what seems to be the fucking theme of this episode, which is it's slowly being that voice, that alternative voice, is slowly being exiled out as beyond the pale. Yeah. And using that kind of the same, like, anti Islamic voices are not exiled in the same way. Yeah. Um, as shown this week by our Hugh Make Me Forget My Troubles segment. Yep. Um, well, this week, this man is a genuine, genuine retard. And I don't think the Make You Feel Better, make, yeah. Yeah, Hugh Make Me Feel Better is a good title. It should just be the ad hominem attack of the week. Uh, now, now, it's not Hugh Make Me Feel Better. It's Make My Troubles Disappear. Okay, if you can't with an see, ad hominem attack. can't see that. But, uh, yeah, Hugh, make my troubles go away, and I've got my hands behind my head, like I'm in a beach chair and not this <laughs> starting chair. Oh. Okay, James Dellingpole. Oh, yes. James oh, Dellingpole, yes. Um, noted interpreter of interpretations, James Dellingpole. Oh, is that what he said? <laughs> um, okay, so let me tell you a little bit about James Dellingpole. So Dellingpol. you can't have a go at me ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, James Dellingpole is, okay, first off, the son of a factory owner. <laughs> What's this in your pockets? <laughs> Atoms! Yeah, so... I wish we'd listen to him instead of walling him up in the abandoned coke oven. <laughs> Imagine uh, a retarded Montgomery Burns. <laughs> um, describes himself as a libertarian conservative. Uh-huh. Writes for Breitbart. Yeah, that, that seems to... Yeah, they're very libertarian, except when it comes to state violence on the whites. <laughs> um... Um, yeah, he's a mass. He really hates global warming moaners. That's where I've seen him. Yeah, he's, that's his main that's thing his, that like, he bitches and moans about. That's his particular USP. Yeah. yeah. Um, when questioned about whether he's actually read any peer review papers, he said he's an interpreter of interpretations because he's a journalist. <laughs> so no is the answer. What you're telling like, me is operating on two levels of irony. Yeah, he's he's a, awesome. A fucking, um, he's um, he doesn't believe that air pollution causes people to die. <laughs> Which has someone who has asthma. <laughs> Fuck off. Uh, how? What? How? I mean... I don't know. I imagine he interpreted an interpretation. Is it the humours? He thinks the people's <laughs> humours are out of balance. <laughs> Just, oh, yeah. It's nothing to do with what you take into your lungs, mate. It's because um, you're too cathartic. <laughs> oh, here we go. In an article in The Spectator, he's, I've held dual political nationality. My heart with you, Kip. My head with the Tories. <laughs> Uh, just to... doesn't even have the plain human dignity to give that quote its original spin which was if you're a con- if you're a conservative by uh when you're young you have no head and if you're you have no heart and yeah. if you're a liberal when you're older you have no head god his, his um his stuff at Breitbart is mainly just bitching he, about climate change it's a whole lot of bitching be, about he climate... used to be on the telegraph yeah I he think, doesn't really work for the telegraph anymore no. um Although he does do a lot of um, TV reviews for The Spectator. Um, 
talking about how the crown is the greatest thing ever the crown is a shit program you like the crown but you're a fucking idiot who doesn't watch enough tv uh, i watch no, all the I tv had, i had mixed feelings about the crown i thought you just love the queen so much i love the queen so much and to see her portrayed by such a beautiful actress um <laughs> well here we go here's an example of um, the title of his kind of tv reviews bbc one sherlock is peak remain <laughs> what yeah exactly um but the thing that I want to talk about is because he he did an uh, he did a, a thing recently all about Stephen Yaxley Lennon, mm-hmm. aka Tommy Robinson. Oh, um, interesting. Part time activist, part time tanning booth operator, <laughs> owner operator. Um, and it's not a lot to do in Luton. You got to occupy your time somehow. Well, yeah. Um, but he wrote an article where he went to interview Stephen Yaxley Lennon. <laughs> And I have a feeling this is going to a very, very dark place. He really likes him. Of course he does. Um, oh my god. But I'm, I'm going to cover this briefly before I go on to his, the main thing that I was going to read from him. An article that he wrote a while ago all about how he's turning into Alf Garnet. <laughs> what, James Delibold's turning into Alf Garnet? Yes. Um, <laughs> but this article about Tommy Robinson is it's just ludicrous and it's properly like he seems like the girl in the pulp song common people (laughs) (laughs) and he just wants to you know do the things that common people do i don't notice anyone else laughing around here james (laughs) (laughs) but um i'd like to say he's not um tommy robinson is not obviously racist or Mm anti-semitic kind of is um, Other than everything he's said or done since coming to public prominence. He's intelligent, quick, articulate, well-informed and good-mannered. He did seem all of those things when we watched the taxi and police escort to take him <laughs> to the place he wanted to speak in Walthamstow. He wanted Stowe. to speak outside Walthamstow Town Hall. And he couldn't he get got there. got a fucking escort. <laughs> he got a police escort to take him there because he couldn't get there. But basically, it's a love letter to him. It's a love letter to Tommy Robinson and how much he loves him and saying like how he wasn't expecting that he'd like him so much. It's like, really? But you're both fascists. You're both pretty anti-Islam. Yeah. You have trenchant views on that particular subject. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? There's a lot of stuff. They're always surprised, aren't they? They're always surprised that they have such in common with fascists. Yeah. Um, Oh, I didn't know. It's a reflection of the establishment's intense reluctance to admit the scale of the problem with fundamentalist Islam in Britain. Robinson's recent experiences have made him deeply suspicious of the authorities. Forcing him to share a prison wing with Islamists suggests to him that his personal welfare is not exactly their top priority. He was sent... Tommy Robinson was sent to prison for, like, mortgage fraud. (laughs) That's an important thing. He wasn't, like, not Bobby Sands... <laughs> I um, remember, yeah, I remember when uh, his Hitler did his speech in his court date in 1924 <laughs> after the Munich Putsch failed. Um, <laughs> he was done for back taxes. <laughs> While he was in prison, he refused to eat any regular food. He believed it would be poisoned or otherwise contaminated, so he stuck to tin tuna and made sure to cause sufficient trouble so he wound up in solitary where no one could stab him. His front teeth were all fake, the real ones having been knocked out when he got trapped in a room with eight Islamists. The only reason he didn't die, he says, is because they didn't have any shivs. And then in parentheses, he puts bladed weapons. And the thing is, like, it's little bits like that. This, this whole article, it's just, it's so, it feels so much like he's learning words, James Bellingpole, and he's going to talk about them at the at the, at the private members club and like, 
Oh, actually, I think you'll find they're called shivs, not knives, when it's, they're in prison. It's that Babes in the Wood act that the conser- that conservatives tend to do when they're interviewing people whose beliefs align with their own perfectly, which is, oh, I didn't realise. I'm so innocent. This is the one time I'm ever going to be fucking neutral, even though I'm a fucking comment piece writer. Yeah. Um, oh, he bitches a lot about being picked on for his views. But the main article I wanted to talk read to you was this one. Do-do-do. Watching old un-PC sitcoms should be part of the national curriculum. And... Uh, okay, yeah. alright. Okay. All right. I think I might be turning into Alf Garnet. That's not an agreement, by the way. That's just an <laughs> utter confusion. To yeah, two. it, does, it yeah. seems to make no sense. I think I might be turning into Alf Garnet. When I was growing up, I saw him as an obnoxious, cantankerous, ranting old git that my grandparents' generation seemed to find funny, but who left me cold. That's a lie. <laughs> now I'm beginning to identify with him as an unfairly maligned and surprisingly youthful font of wisdom whose tragedy is to be ignored by maddeningly unsympathetic women folk, women folk and infuriating kids. Alf Garnet is the villain. He's of... never been portrayed as anything but the villain. Yeah. My dad used to go on about um, uh, Till Death Has Do Part and all those kind of things. And it's like Alf, like the person who played him said, no, he's the... He's meant to be a kind of throwback. I mean, they did it to get cheap laughs at the same yeah. time. But also, he was always the villain of the piece. Yeah. You know? Because um, okay, he's talking about the... Um, when BBC was doing like a whole bunch of... Like, bringing back these things, like Hancock's Half Hour and shit like that. Yeah, I saw that one that uh, What's-His-Face did, um, where they redid episodes of... Um, Till death is too part, and they had to. It, it was the most unfunny half hour I've ever spent. Yeah. Um, with typical oversensitivity, the BBC had taken care to find an episode that didn't have any racist language in it and was spin hard. As Alf gets home late from work to discover his tea has been burned because his useless, lazy cow of a wife has gone with his feckless daughter to the pictures and just left it under the grill with a gas on low. But instead of showing appropriate contrition, the women just shrug at his entirely justified fury and mock his pitiful attempts to secure himself something to eat. Okay. This is important to teach children because if they don't learn that women are the housekeepers and the cooks for the men who go out... They gather the herbs or we kill the animals. <laughs> um, um, this is exactly what it is like to be a father. <laughs> I know... <sighs> I noticed something similar going on in my favourite sitcom, Friday Night Dinner, about a Jewish family in North London with two appallingly disrespectful sons, one from the Inbetweeners and the other from Plebs. Tamsin Gregg is great as the Jewish mum, but the show's unsung hero is the dad, played, um, played by Paul Ritter, who spends every episode living in a completely dis- different world from everybody else, thinking distracted thoughts, being con- continually irritated by intrusive reality and swearing a lot. Now, Friday Night Dinner is okay. It's not a great show. I I watched a couple of episodes. Does he mention in the article that the reason why the dad's in his own world is because the dad's deaf? No, he does not. <laughs> no, his dad is his dad's super rod. Like the dad he, is super rod in it. Yeah, he's he's portrayed as kind of out of it because he literally can't hear anything yeah. that's going on. Yeah. Um, and is it any wonder when they treat us worse than dogs? All we want is to us. be fed and watered regularly and have our tummies tickled now and again. But mum prefers doing that to the real dog, not you. And when your vile kids are anywhere in the vicinity, you might as well not exist. Wait, okay, so he's saying fed and watered and tummy tickled, which yeah. I assume, I'm going to assume, and I don't think it's too much of a stretch, is a euphemism for sex. What it's, he's saying, me and give me a handy, yeah. Yeah, give me a hand job. 
What he's saying there... So vulgar. Is that... Handy. Actually, I don't have that because that's safe for the real dog. He's accusing his wife <laughs> of having sex with his dog. Well, um, I it's bet you James Ellen... is it? James Ellen Pohl is probably very much of the opinion that women don't have... Don't derive pleasure from sex. It's a chore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, talking of vile kids, I find myself increasingly despairing of the younger generation with their priggishness, sanctimoniousness, and cry-bully, special snowflake oversensitivity. So, uh, wait, Important wait, wait, thing wait, wait, to wait. remember about him is he bitches constantly about being ignored. <laughs> so... Um, and he constantly... He, he is a snowflake. In an article complaining that women don't cook his dinner for him, yeah, he also complains. He's complaining about being sanctimonious and priggish. Yes. <laughs> when watching TV with my offspring, I can't say anything. Not even obviously true stuff about, say, women and general knowledge or contestants playing the ethnic card on Bake Off. <laughs> he does have an example. I've just added a bit of Kula Kula essence, which is like a cross between a kumquat and a dragon fruit. And that is <laughs> that's his example of someone playing the ethnic card. <laughs> yeah, so you can't do this about being damned as a sexist or a racist. His kids sound all right, actually. Yeah. Um, the problem is, I think that modern kids live in a perpetual year zero. They have no understanding of even fairly recent cultural history, so they write off anyone who doesn't share their politically correct values as a Neanderthal. They have. They perpetually live in a year zero, where foreign fruits and vegetables don't exist. And what? No, no, he doesn't make much sense. Um, nowadays, we're only allowed to watch old, un-PC stuff, provided it's through the correct filter of irony and self-congratulatory knowingness. Unfortunately, another of <laughs> unfortunately another of the adaptations of the BBC's lost sitcom season, an update of Are You Being Served, rather overdid this. As a tribute act, it was faultless. Jason Watkins had John Inman's every camp mannerism down to a T. From the flouncing walk to the extravagantly theatrical look over both shoulders before declaring, declaring I'm free. I and like I think, my beers cold, my TV's loud, <laughs> and my homosexuals flaming. <laughs> yeah, this, thing is, I hate all these old sitcoms. Like, yeah. old British TV... They're not funny. No. Like, old, go back and watch them. I have seen them. They're not funny. With his decrying, like, oh, old British sitcoms, these were so great, these on PC programmes, they were so brilliant. I bet you he really... like. I don't think that he doesn't kids, like them. I don't. Well, actually, I don't. I think he probably does. I don't think. But the he thing finds is, I don't funny. think. I don't think in school they should be forced to watch this kind of stuff. I do think there is some old British TV that kids should be forced to watch, like yeah. Boys from the Black stuff. Yeah. But I've got a sneaking suspicion that he has a problem with Boys from the Black stuff. <laughs> a very British coup. Yes. Oh, so good. A very British coup. So good. Yeah. Yes. I'm just astonished by his railing against like what was it kumquats and star fruits, dragon fruit. Oh, and, and dragon fruit. Yeah. What is this mysterious spice from the East? <laughs> God, you just won't get with the times, will you? All he wants to nine eat. Nine year olds. <laughs> all he wants to eat is um, cream crackers covered with not butter, that's too spiced and ethnic. Something like lard. Yeah. Just lard. I just want to eat Bovril from a shoe. Um, where is it? Um, yeah, the, the article comes to an end with Anyway, I would bang on more, but I've got to dash off to see my gran- grandma who is 102, has only been abroad to visit the tulips of Amsterdam in a Dakota. I don't know what, don't know what that is. Um, and once refused to eat a croissant I offered her because it looked dangerously foreign. Imagine how she feels about the way things have gone. 
Just basically, he thinks that old people should be given more credence. I hate it when people are sanctimonious and priggish. Um, I just prefer to refuse all baked goods that don't have a kite mark on them. <laughs> he's he's just this he's this bizarre old. There's idiot. no way that there's no way that was written in good faith. That oh no, I don't. I don't think awesome. he does. I think the only thing he does I, in good faith is his flat out refusal to believe that climate change is a thing. Yeah, he had a he had a deadline. Oh, he does a lot of TV reviews, and I've read I read quite a few of his TV reviews, and they're fucking dreadful. But he gets to be on Question Time a lot, yeah, with his stupid views. He's a fucking dumbass. But yeah, (laughs) he thinks that he thinks that um, Michael Gove, when he was Education Secretary, he should it should have been a part of the curriculum that kids should watch these things to understand how old how old people used to see the world because that would make them understand their grandparents better. And I was thinking, no, if you make them watch. Things like that, they're just going to make him angrier. Because, <laughs> like, he defends blackface. You know? Talks about how, you know, it should, you know, they should have seen that that's the kind of thing that we used to do. It's like, mm. no, 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 no. You can just tell them. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, there's another article he wrote about how um, it's disgusting that in GCSE history they talk about the positive things Stalin did. Because they have to look at... Because in... Uh, we, I think we did this in GCSE history. Yeah. You have to look at the positive and negative aspects of collectivization of farms. Yeah. And he was utterly revolted that they'd have to list some positive aspects of collectivization. Because <laughs> this is just Stalinism. I feel like he probably feels the same way about the Highland Clearances, yeah? <laughs> no, no. Not, the, not well, that no, collectivization of agriculture. That was oh, all positive. Only the other collectivization of yes. agriculture. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's James Selling Paul. Oh, man. There's so much in that that... I don't... He's an old He's an old racist. And, like, and the thing is... He's not that the, old. Yeah. He must thing be, is, what, and it's like, and it's, I think he's a bit older 50s? than that. But he's, um, it's hard to tell he's got one of those old Ariston faces. It's yeah, kind he's of hard got to tell. that skinny, youthful face. But um, the fact that, yeah, he wrote this this week, this article, this love letter to um, Stephen Yaxley-Lennon. yeah. Who he's I still that thing with with Tommy Robinson that always annoys me that you know he has he's like oh I'm Tommy Ro- I have to use the name Tommy Robinson I have to use an alias it's like and so you chose the alias of a football hooligan yeah because that's all he is he's just a football hooligan like that's what the EDL are like yeah. you see when the EDL get kettled they automatically split up between firms and start fighting with each other mm. in this article about um about Tommy Robinson he talks about how Tommy Robinson has his opinions on which were the hard firms. And like Millwall aren't they're they're, they're God, like all is talk. Is there anything more fucking draining than the British commentariat's fascination with um, like British hard men and British gangsters? Yeah, it's fucking boring. It's it's been so overdone. There are there must be fifteen Essex Boys documentaries on yeah. uh, uh, documentaries and dramas on on Netflix and things like that. It's I actually think Tommy Robinson might be a useful barometer because he's the inverse Owen Jones. It's as soon as he starts, whereas Owens Jones is generally has articles around and he's about as far as you can go while still being accepted as a quote unquote liberal commentator. Yeah. Um, Tommy Robinson, whenever he starts popping back up as he did after the terror attacks in Westminster. Yeah. That's when you've got to start worrying because that's when they're going to start letting him back on. Oh, it's just worse. He, like, question he, time. He phoned up. Um, Rajiv Dewar's this week and then like today was bitching solidly because his bit was his phone call was cut from the podcast on LBC and I'm not sure if it was 
it doesn't seem like it was mm. but um the way he was talking about it was like it was a massive conspiracy to stop him from talking it's like no there's never been a conspiracy to stop you from talking you're always talking and it's like yeah. on your on, on your twitter page at the moment it's a picture it's the front cover of your fucking book uh, <laughs> you're not being stopped from talking you fucking idiot listen taking outrageous political positions that might harm those in the establishment get you things like they ha- they put you through the slings and arrows they give you book deals <laughs> they give you talking spaces on documentaries on the BBC on radios they do documentaries about you it's their cross to bear Right, it's so hard being their red crusader cross to bear. <laughs> oh, just yeah. terrible. But um, the thing that got me with that is the spectator is a fascist rag. They published and like the the, yeah. the joke of um, having the spectator columnists come out and criticize Corbyn for this anti-Semitic stuff yeah. when they publish openly neo-Nazi yeah. writers in their rag. Yeah, like, but yeah, so yeah, that's so that, that didn't make you feel any better, did it? <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10, that made me feel about 4 out of 10. I'm sorry. I'll find a better one next time. I'll find a much funnier one next time. The (laughs) thing is, I haven't been able to really do much kind of anything this week because I've just been ill. (laughs) So you're lucky that you have anything, you fucking ungrateful piece of shit. You're just a perfect example of benefits culture. (laughs) Anyway, I think that's us. Done for this week. Yep. That's episode eight so you're going to try and you're going to try and read out the name of our Twitter. Uh, yes, I should do. Um, getting his book. So that was episode eight in the bag. Yes. Um, subscribe to us on iTunes or follow us at wdtatw underscore podcast on Twitter. Um, oh. Let us know what you think. Um, we've had one review this week. Um, we'll probably go into it next week. I think. Um, yeah, because that was happening today. It's pretty funny. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, oh, there's also I've got a Twitter. I've gone back on Twitter now. Oh yes, you're on Twitter now as yes, well. Tanner smashing. Tanner smashing. Yes. T a n a s m a s h i n g. Yes. Yeah. Because I love Tanahashi. Yeah. <laughs> so you can follow me if you want to hear about Japanese wrestling. The Venn diagram between left-wing politics and Japanese wrestling is actually probably thicker than you, th- you might yeah, first think. It's just a... It, the, yeah. 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 But yeah, so That's yeah. That's us for this week. Yeah. All right. Cheers for listening, Thanks. guys. See you. be better next week. <laughs>